Cool. We have a name. It's going to be cool. <laughs> We're going to tell people. Oh, you're trying to give us a pre-show answer. Uh, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> the thing's recording. That is recording. It's not what we're supposed to do. It's entertain the masses. No, you don't. The music does that. You don't play that. Okay. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, even number show. Because we figured out the system. That's right. Pretty good. I am Chris. I'm John. And we've been playing games together for 28 years, both self-employed guys, which is super relevant because (laughs) we have figured out a name for our podcast. Uh, We're going to go with No Sick Days. No Sick Days Podcast. No Sick Days Podcast. The No No Sick Sick Days Days Podcast. No Sick Days we're podcast. calling it, we have podcast in the name? <laughs> Alright, well we've basically figured out the name. Oh, oh, I thought you were, you were arguing with me about the name, just uh, I was just saying, podcast. <laughs> okay, alright. It's so, called No Sick Days. Alright, cool, we're cool. We're and cool. it's a podcast. And it's a podcast, those are both two called statements. Called No Sick Days. We did it. <laughs> we just grounded <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> it's, it's grinded. It's grinded. Alright, so yeah, the premise here is that uh, Chris and I are actually both self-employed. Um, so our, our gaming schedule is, is a little different. Uh, so as you said earlier, our pre-show kind of prep work, he was like, yeah, it's, we have a little more of a flexible schedule in some ways, but also a far more restrictable schedule in others. Restrictable is not a word. <laughs> no, but English isn't important for podcasts. And, I, and I'm not going to go back and edit this and make me sound really smart. I'm going to no, leave it out there. You're actually going to go back and make yourself sound stupider. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of guy you are. Yeah, I'm gonna, I should slow it down. Just it's like <laughs> just why restrictable. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Um, yep. So uh, I've been running. Uh, my own websites. I, I do affiliate marketing is my kind of job. I've got MMO Bro and BestVPN are my two. Yeah. BestVPNnow.com are my two main websites. I've been doing that stuff for about seven years, and you've been doing. Um, I own a brewery in Austin, Texas called Fourth Tap Brewing. Uh, yeah. And it's been running for what, three years? Is uh, what your time frame? Four we, years? We have been open. From when you started fundraising. And, like from when I quit invest- my job. Yeah, from when you quit your job. Because oh. I think it's really when you started. Yeah, that is when mm-hmm. I really started. Okay, so when I quit my job, that was like almost five years ago. Okay. Um, which is crazy to think about. That yeah, is we, crazy. we've been open and operating as a functioning brewery for just over two and a half years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, our schedules are such that. We have random times to be able to play games, which is really cool, and we can sometimes say, no, I'm going to play a game, but at the end of the day, we have a lot of work that we have to get done at some point, so whether that work gets done at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. is kind of irrelevant. Wednesday or Saturday. Wednesday or Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, I may just wake up Saturday and start working because I'm very inspired to work, and I may take off a Monday because I don't want to. Uh, Maybe we'll spend we'll Tuesday mornings recording a stupid podcast about and, video games. Right, and that and that is the ultimate <laughs> reward, is that we can deliver this podcast on Tuesday mornings, yep. edit it on Wednesdays, and give it out some nasty Yeah, so, all right. Now... Welcome to episode six. Of No Sick Days. No Sick Days. <laughs> Why don't we start podcast. with... Uh, 
I've, shadow I have, tactics? I have Shadow Strike written down. Shadow, okay, so it's not Shadow Strike, shadow but Shadow strike. Tactics is the isometric stealth strategy game that I talked about first last week. I played it a little bit longer. I'm now just finished Mission 5 of 13 in the game. Still really enjoying it. I do have a gripe, which I thought was cool at first, but now I'm annoyed by, which is that you can't pause the game. And strategically, tactically, it's interesting because you can't just set up everything in little increments and kind of edge your way to victory. You need to have a full plan and execute it at the same time. Yeah. So, when we so talk- that's, there's like a shadow plan. And when we talked about this last week, I thought it was cool. Yeah, so the reason we thought it cool is why I thought it was cool. So the idea is that you're in this, you've got this kind of flowing combat, sort of like Baldur's Gate style or, or uh, anyways. And so normally in those kind of games, you can pause it. You can, each character, you can say, okay, do, attack this person with this, do right. this, this other person. You go over here, you cast this thing, and then you unpause it and everybody executes. Um, whereas in this game, it doesn't let you do that. You ha- It's all still happening in real time. But you have to control those characters, and I, at first I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," because it creates tension. It adds some some uh, danger, I guess. It does. Yeah. It adds an extra element of I need everything to be executed perfectly because I am not going to be able to physically react to everything that's going on unless I have a good plan. So its middle ground is called shadow mode, mm-hmm. and in shadow mode, you can give everybody one order to execute at the same time, and mm-hmm. so that does get used a little bit more now that I'm kind of at the midpoint of the game. But the reason that it's annoying that you can't pause is because it's a stealth game at its core, which means guards are running patrol routes mm-hmm. and you have certain points of their patrol routes where you should execute your plan. Mm-hmm. So I might see, okay, this is the plan I want to execute, but I don't have time to do it because I just figured it out and this is just the right perfect time in the route to execute it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it until now. Now I have to wait for the whole route to come back around yeah, and get to the point. So kind of, kind of like real life stuff. It is, just... but I, you know, our time is valuable. <laughs> so it's not a fun part of the game waiting yeah. for their route to come back around. Is it still top fifty? I think it's still top fifty material. Oh, oh. top fifty. Top fifty. <laughs> okay. Speaking of, uh, we're gonna play a game. Are we going to go into that now? Yeah. Well, it's, I wrote it oh. as the second thing okay. on my list. Okay. It has, my list is no particular order. It's just... Well, let me finish Shadow Tactics. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're o- only one more thing. Okay. So I'm now that I've finished five missions. Oh, man, that's such a good segue. I know. All right. We'll, we'll still get into it because it's still the same game. Okay. <laughs> Not, that much hasn't changed. And, and I'm going to give it a positive note to okay. get it higher into that top 50. Uh, top 50. 50. <laughs> so the maps in the game, there's been five maps... All of them have been very unique. Okay. Completely different approaches to every single mission that I've played. Okay. Different groupings of characters. So like so last week there's five different characters in the game. I haven't ever used all five in the same mission. It's been between two and three. But everything has been completely different, so the experience is very dynamic, and I really appreciate that about eight hours or seven hours into the game, I'm still getting very fresh content. Not like just slightly altered fresh content, but very fresh content. Slightly more difficult content or, you know. And it's more difficult because it's getting challenging as the game ramps up. That bad guy's wearing orange now. He's worse. (laughs) Right. He he, uh, attacks people more readily or whatever the case is. But, But it's not just the enemies change, but the actual map layouts themselves being so interesting. Because it's a three-dimensional game. Yeah. Your characters, some of your characters can uh, use hook shots to get up on top of roofs 
And so you actually care about the 3D plane, which is, whereas in something like Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. you don't care about the 3D plane. Or Pillars of Eternity, that's not a thing. It's always really 2D, even if it has 3D visuals. So that they bring in the 3D element just adds a whole other depth of complexity. Okay, cool. And makes it possibly top 50 worthy. Hey, all right. All right, so there we go. it in. So speaking of last week, we uh, decided to... Um, give the top 50 thing that Chris has, which I think we're going to share at some point on a website, which Chris at some point... We'll, we'll probably do a slow countdown or count up. Probably reverse... Well, you know, throughout a podcast. I don't want to give it all away at once. That's fair. All right. So, but... but um, <laughs> should be exciting. I threw a bunch of game songs into that, into, you know, we did that kind of quick one after the other. Uh, those are all songs from video games that uh, are near and dear to both of us. In fact, Chris <laughs> should know all of them. Okay. Uh, you said one of them you'd be impressed if I got. Yeah, well, okay, so I said two of them are going to be are super obvious. Okay. Everyone should get it. Okay. Um, there are, there's one, one or two that I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident you're going to get right out. And then I'd say there's... Two or three that are ranging from difficult to, I hope you get it, but. You have a good mix. I'll be surprised. Yeah. yeah this so. is a good college exam of like <laughs> my placement for music, game music 101 or, you know, whatever the next level is. Uh, I feel like a college exam should be all hard. <laughs> uh, no, no, like the placement exam. Well, those are hard. Oh, placement exam. But, you know, when you take the you. Spanish test and you <laughs> cheat off of your eventual wife trying to get tested out of Spanish. Uh, because you hate foreign language learning, but then you still do poorly and don't actually test out of everything because you didn't cheat enough. Yeah. Anyway, so sometimes that happens to you in freshman uh, classes. At I feel North, like this is coming Texas. from a place of truthness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I really don't like foreign language. But the cool thing about UT Business School, before we get too off topic, <laughs> there was no foreign language requirement. So it didn't matter that I didn't test out of it at UNT. Uh, the UT Business School doesn't require a foreign language? It did not for anything but international business. I guess technically I didn't have to have one either for uh, national sciences. Good. I just had, I mean, I, I'd already taken up German classes mm, too. Yeah, just don't do that. Right. Okay, so we got a game to play. <laughs> um, this is going to require a little bit of editing on my side. Uh, so That's fine. I'll start it up. Future John editing person, get ready. And... <laughs> Chris, hit all you want to be all you play. How about that? Mm-hmm. All right, so first one coming up. Baldur's Gate. Yeah. <laughs> easy. Is that that easy? That's pretty easy. Well, you gotta let the song finish. That's Baldur's Gate. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right here comes the second one. I don't know that one. You want to think about it for a second? Do you recognize it? I mean, it seems sort of familiar, but no. Uh, that what is one that one? Is going to be the Rise of Nations introduction. Oh, <laughs> Rise of Nations. Yeah. yeah okay. I think we've, we've done a lot of land parties with that. Shit! I hope I didn't get that one wrong. <laughs> that, well, that's on you. So I pulled a bunch of songs down. Yeah, I think that was the Rise of Nations one. That seems plausible. It yeah. does sound like Rise of Nations. Yeah, that was one of the one of the super fun because it could handle like a whole bunch of players, a crazy amount of units. It had a good sort of Growth I mean, it was Civ, but RTS. Yeah. And a pretty compact package. Yeah. That was a lot, of, a lot of land parties. A lot of land parties. All right, so next one. What? Do you not know that one? Do you want to hear it again? Yeah. Let's... This is the one I was like, I don't know if you're going to get this one. Any idea? Want to hear some more of it? 
No. Here's more of it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that didn't help. <laughs> the same three notes didn't really do it for me. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, what is that? That is uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2. Oh my god. From Super Nintendo. <laughs> There's no way I'm getting that. <laughs> it, was, it was pertinent to topical. It was super topical. There's no way I'm getting that. All right, all right. Romance of the Three Kingdoms 2? For the SNES, We yeah. played 3 and 4 a lot, not 2. Uh, right. Fine. All right. <laughs> All right. I don't feel bad about that one. All right. Here's the next one. What do you think? <laughs> From the old chorus thing? I don't know. Final Fantasy VII. No. All right. You want to try <laughs> to hear it again? I'm going to hear it again. What is this chorus? There's a lot of music here. I'm lying to you. Do you want a hint? Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. Ooh, I don't want to give it too easy. There's one hint I can give you that'll give it away right away. Okay. Uh, let's let's say this one. It's part of a. Wait, give me. Can you give me the system or era? Maybe. Yeah, it's it's available on PlayStation and PlayStation One. Uh, no, uh, sorry, PlayStation. I think it was available on PlayStation Three and Four, and I think on PC also. It's a franchise. Right here, one more time. That's something that's gonna help me, but sure. Um, you have beat this game. Yeah, I'm sure I have. I have not. Okay. But I tried. Okay, I mean, I'm going to guess XCOM, but no. that wasn't on PS3, no, no, I, so... I, I made, I got some, I logged some hours on you, this You game. logged some real hours onto oh, yeah. this game. And I eventually stopped playing it out of frustration. Uh, but you beat it. Dark Souls? Yes. <laughs> Dark Souls 2, I think, actually. Okay. Yeah, from the menu screen. No? Okay. <laughs> there are way better options for Dark Souls. Alright. Music. I thought that was going to be... Okay. That's, that's not iconic Dark Souls music. That's, I'm what just is saying, iconic I'm just Dark Souls I'm music? I'm just saying. I'll, play, I'll send you some iconic Dark Souls just, music. Alright, fine. Okay, so, uh... Here's <laughs> Final Fantasy Fan Favorite, yeah. And that's from Final Fantasy... Oh, yeah. Shoot. Seven. Yep. There you go. What gave it away? That's uh, Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I don't know. I just had to think about it. All right. So then this is the last one I think is everyone should get this. One. <laughs> oh my God, I see something. Like, this one I clearly know. That one? Yeah. That was... Warcraft. Uh, That's Warcraft. Yes. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Yes, yeah, the login screen for World of Warcraft. Not good spot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, either one or two for a Nintendo. The original. Yeah, okay. O OG. Yeah, it's clearly it's clearly eight bit, but uh the next for sure was pretty one. good. You only missed the Rise of the Rise of the Nations one was one of the ones I thought you were gonna get. And Dark Souls I thought you were gonna get, like pretty pretty right out. There wasn't any music. If they, you had included actual music instead of just the ah oh. <laughs> The Rise of Nations one I could have gotten. I don't feel bad about the Dark Souls one. I'm gonna send you that iconic music later. We're, we're gonna we're gonna add that to the segment, all right, so fine. you can have some of that. All right, so we still gonna get through all our little updates here in the first part. Oh, we didn't even tell people what we're doing in the second, third parts. Second part, uh, real quick. I'm gonna talk about uh, my first Blood Bowl game and a Delta Green campaign I'm on. It's kind of the idea of you know, playing with groups of people on like a series of like a you know yep. scheduled gaming. Good old tabletop gaming. Yeah, well, Blood Bowl is. PlayStation, but it was actually tabletop originally. Right. Anyways. So it's all tabletop, sort of, in some I guess so, yeah. scheme or other, and I'm going to 
go go hard into Vikings. Yes, part three. We're going to bring back a game that is on my top 50 list and the game I finished about three months ago. Oh, sweet. But I uh, just kind of, we, we talked about Vikings a little bit last week off the podcast, and it kind of re-inspired me to yeah. want to say, hey, this game is awesome, Cause we're both, and Vikings are awesome. Because we're both watching different but good Viking shows, right. and I've been playing For Honor, which has Vikings in it. Yeah, so it's Vikings, 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 Vikings. Viking time, man. It's good. All right. So uh, now for my favorite time of the week. You want to keep the intro music this time? I don't do the music. You, what do you mean? <laughs> Lineage 2! Yeah, I love it. It's great. Tell me about it. All right, so actually I do have a little bit of an update this time. So I, I finally hit 170. One this morning, actually. Feeling pretty good. Level cap uh, was 180. Wow. So close. Wow, you were so close. So close. So they just released. So people, anyone who's playing Lineage 2 Revolution for mobile... Um, it is... <laughs> no, nobody should be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no one should. A lot of people play this... Anyways. The, okay. Conan O'Brien plays it. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Uh, massive update came out. Uh, their big May update. Um, it mainly raised the level cap from 180 to 260. Ooh, finally you can grind more. <laughs> and then uh, added a whole new uh, region of the map called Orin. Uh, higher dungeon difficulties, which is great because I'd already hit the highest difficulty for most of them. And so now, like, harder versions. Okay. But here's uh, one <laughs> more... Gr- I'll do one more grinding thing okay. for the cool thing. So okay. the other grinding thing is there's now an additional uh, gear quality. So they've gone from SR being the top uh-huh. quality to UR being the top quality. Okay, cool. And you can't get to UR through normal means. You actually have to... Uh, break down your <laughs> S and SR level stuff into component pieces and hopefully get enough over enough time to somehow oh craft the UR ones and then grind that up to, yeah. So, so this is a, yo dog, we heard you like grinding and you're grinding, <laughs> so you added more grinding to your grind that you can grind. Grind, yeah. Update. <laughs> That's so, the name of the update. But, okay, here's the cool part, though. Mm-hmm. Um, they introduced uh, some additional, like, p- PvP stuff, so, like, 3v3 three, three three, uh, battles now, instead of 1v1 or clan versus clan. There's a 3v3 match. Just that, an arena match? Yeah, it's called Honorable Battlefield. I haven't played it yet, uh, but I want to. And then the other one that I'm really excited about is Castle Siege. Uh, so they didn't have that in the game yet? No. This is the, a new... The Castle Siege, this one is going to be a 3v1 Castle Siege. And that's three guilds versus one guild. Oh, crazy. Which means you could have easily over, that's like 120 players at okay. once on the screen, which is kind of ridiculous. That's pretty neat. Yeah, so the idea is you've got one ca- central castle, one guild is, or clan is defending it, you've got three clans coming at you from either, from like three different directions, and the three clans need to work together, fight each other, but ultimately I think there's one winner or something. I'm not sure yet. But. How does the one clan get put in the position where they have to fight three clans? Well, they have a castle. So if you have a castle, you're now open to being attacked by three clans at once. Yeah, so it's a scheduled time. It's like, hey, at this at, at 8 p.m. on Thursday, your castle siege is going to start. And so you've, I, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it yet. Right. But I'm sure it's balanced where there's probably, like, if a cat, like in some of the other, uh, like, uh, big clan versus clan uh, battlefields, you get, there's, like, towers and shit will kill people and all the usual stuff. All the fun stuff. Yeah. Defensive mechanics. Yeah, so I'm excited about that, actually. I really am. I'm curious to hear how it goes. I mean, I assume that if you're a level 260 with the UR gear and you've grinded your grinding to grinding <laughs> land, that you're going to kill everybody? Well, because so that's everybody. how most of those games are balanced. So is everybody else. But yeah, but if you have more of those characters, then you win. But, so speaking of, actually, that, that brings me to my next point. Um, there's also a bunch of server merges. So uh, they, I guess, 
increase the capacity of any of any given server, pushed a bunch of them together, which had the unfortunate side effect of me going from top 2% in the uh, PDP <laughs> uh-huh. to 25%. Oh, no. And then our guild, which is, it. which is like a top 20, is now 54 ranked, Ooh, which makes me very sad. Jeez, uh, y'all, y'all felt my side. And we were, we were good. Yeah. So now we've got, and we are still good. I get what it means is there's a whole lot of other really good people who came in. But I think they did that because, also to prep for Castle Siege, because like, you know, you don't want to... You just need a bigger population. I mean, yeah, I you don't want to keep playing the same people over and over. That's fair. Right. So, ladies two, outro. <laughs> oh, okay. So, right. uh, this past weekend, I played... Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. It's the name of the game. Uh-huh. It is a fighting game by Arxis, who made the Dragon Ball Fighters game. It's the same studio, but they are actually the force behind publishing it. They have multiple publishers kind mm-hmm. of throughout the world, but they, instead of Bandai Namco running it like they did with Dragon Ball, Arxis is more in control of everything. Okay. And I actually. I think I like it more than Dragon Ball. It's hard to say because I played it for two hours and I played it on the Switch, which has a god-awful controller for playing fighting games. So it's a fight. Okay, it's fight. It's just awful. Yes, it's a fighting game. It's a two-on-two fighting game. So you pick two different characters. Uh, Dragon Ball is a three-on-three fighting game. But what's cool about this is the two-on-two system here, you feel much more like you're in a team. Mm-hmm. So each character has three different assists that they can use when you call them in off the battle. So you have your main character, you have your partner character. A uh, partner has three different assists they can do, and they can be called more frequently. They can also have extra effects, like you can control two characters simultaneously. Really? For Yeah, for short stints of time, which is pretty neat, so you can set up some pretty cool things. Okay. You can do something I really like in fighting games, is uh, if you have a full partner meter, whatever it's called in the game, you can break any combo in the game calling in your partner to stop it. So if you're getting juggled for a little bit and you say, no, I don't want this to happen, or you see, oh, they've got a lot of meter that they can spend to do a lot of damage, I'm just going to stop this combo now before it gets real bad. That's smart. Which is awesome, because a lot of fighting games, the big complaint people typically have is, A, you need to learn long combos, and B, I get stuck in long combos. That's far and wide what most people's complaints are about fighting games. Okay. So this game kind of... So this game solves... Sort of solves one of the problems by you can stop it as long as you have enough partner meter. And then on the side of creating combos, uh, they have these auto combos in the game uh, called smart combos. Uh, Dragon Ball has the same thing, but their auto combos are useless. By the time you get anywhere into competing, they're utterly useless. In this, they're actually pretty useful, and they're going to stay useful, it looks like, throughout the continuation of... Uh, how the, the meta sort of develops because of just the system that they've created is such that you kind of have to use them to do any combos at all. Mm-hmm. It's going to make it so that the partners play a bigger role in extending combos as opposed to you just memorizing super long strings. So this is much more natural of a, I'm going to do a combo, have my partner hit you to extend it, then jump in the air and do a little bit more of a combo. Uh, whereas... Dragon Ball involves a lot more memorization of, I need to do these things in this order to fulfill something. Uh, and the other thing that it does, that, again, I think is an improvement over Dragon Ball, is you can talk in the lobby chat. So they have this lobby system mm-hmm. that I don't particularly love. It's basically a little visual UI, so you can have your little avatar run around the screen and interact with people. But in Dragon Ball, you can't type with people. Even though I'm on a computer, I can't yeah. use my keyboard to type people <laughs> Who I'm playing with. There's literally no way to communicate with anybody in Dragon Ball. 
literally nothing. It doesn't tie to your Steam account at all. They don't even give you like this little, you know, you, you, have, you, know, you have little stupid avatar <laughs> things you can throw up a sticker. Oh, cool! I have a sticker with Cell saying GG. Yeah, that's really impressive. No, I want to be able said. to talk to people. <laughs> what do you so, want to say to these people? I just want to say, yo, what's up? <laughs> no, but I sometimes you you have a good match with somebody and you yeah. want to talk to them about it and maybe say, hey, how does this work or how does that work or just sort of some kind of like banter. at the Texas showdown where you're able to, when somebody right. wrecks you, you're able to say, hey, man, how was how would you do that? Right, and I think a big part of it is having that, that dialogue with people. So right. this you can actually talk with people, which I think is a big improvement. So uh, I'm not 100% sure whether or not I'll buy this game because I'm already kind of juggling Tekken and, and Street Fighter. But it was pretty fun, and I would say if uh, you have a PlayStation 4 or a Switch, the open beta is over, but the demo is still there's an offline demo running for two weeks until the game releases. Mm-hmm. It's worth playing if you have 45 minutes to an hour to kind of go through this tutorial and just sure. play a few versus rounds. Cool. So is it for PS4 too? Yeah, so I, you should download it whenever you, you have some time just to do the tutorial and play some games. Yeah, the time. Yeah, because yeah, like literally uh, before we started the <laughs> podcast, my backlog was like one game. Mm-hmm. Now I'm playing like four games simultaneously. Perfect. I've got like four more games in my let's, backlog. Let's add, let's add another. It'll be fun. I like it. <laughs> okay. Just do it. Do it. Do it. All right. <laughs> Uh, so Blaze Blue Crush Scramble Blah Blah is going on my playlist. Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, uh, one more thing that's cool. Wait, let so, me unscratch that yeah, yeah. list here. Uh, because it will be noteworthy for certain people. So it is a combination of four different worlds. Okay. Blaze Blue, people probably don't know. Nope. Uniel, which is Undernight, people don't know because nope. it's another fighting game franchise. The others, though, uh, Persona 4, which... Bunch of high schoolers. Lot, lots of high schoolers, but Persona 4 is a very good RPG that people like. About a bunch of high schoolers. About a bunch of high schoolers. And then Ruby, uh, R-W-B-Y, which is an anime produced by Rooster Teeth of oh. Boston. hey. So they are, have their cast of characters. Did I tell you I've met that guy? No. The head of Rooster, or the guy who runs Creative Rooster Teeth? No, that's cool. I got roped into this really weird... Um, kind of like short film that this guy was directing for an HBO series. Okay. Uh, or like it was like a pilot, so he was trying to get in, get his story in one of the... Sure. And uh, he was partnering with a guy from Rooster Teeth. Uh, he was in one of the scenes. I was just an extra. Um, How did you... Oh, I, I know. I just know him through, okay. the, through, through work. Sure. Yeah, so he, he just was like, hey, man, I need some people to show up and do this thing. It's for this thing I'm directing. And I was like, yeah, man, sure, why not? Cool. So I got there, and I spent an hour and a half staring at a blank computer screen pretending to work uh, <laughs> while boop, 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 boop. he sat on the other side of the desk, and the guy from Rooster Teeth kept acting the same scene over and over again. <laughs> okay. um, so that was you know, my first foray into uh, the film business. How was it? Did you love every moment? It was not. A, uh, I spent the rest of the morning walking around with um, stage makeup on. <laughs> So, you know, no sheen to my face at all, oh, real, yeah. real smooth. So did that make you regret your choice of going into business instead of acting? <laughs> Is that what made you no. know your entire life? I mean, it was, it was fun for the novelty of the experience, but... Sure, uh, no, that seems cool. And that guy seemed really nice. Good. You know, uh, but outside of that, it was, you know, it's a very bizarre experience. Um, I don't want to get into it anymore, just, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move <laughs> but that is, that is pretty neat. So yeah, Ruby is based out, or Rooster Teeth is based out of Austin, so I think that's pretty neat, but that's a part of the game. So I did want to mention, so I know I've been giving you a lot of shit about Persona 4 and 5. Sure. Um, I actually watched, uh, the trailers and gameplay of Persona 5. Okay. And it does look kind of interesting. 
It does. Yeah, I was watching it. I'm like, okay, I can see why people are excited about this game. It looks kind of fun. They just announced that they had hit 2.2 million sales yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Which is pretty good for a JRPG. But it is... Here in America or just... Oh, uh, just worldwide sales. Worldwide, okay. Uh, it is one of the best JRPG series out there. I mean, really? top top three, I would say. Because one of the things it does that a lot of JRPGs shy away from is it actually has challenging combat, okay. which is a big positive to me. And I'm glad that they don't shy away from having battles that you can actually lose. Most JRPGs, it's just a series of trivial battles before mm-hmm. you eventually fight another trivial battle, leading to a trivial battle that you win. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, super epic. I've slaughtered everything. How is this a threat to anyone? <laughs> but Persona... You actually have elements, it uses this press turn um, strategy where system where you actually have to use uh, elements that opponents are weak against and not use uh, elements that you're weak against and kind of balancing these in a way that uh, basically you can chain a bunch of attacks together if you use something that an opponent's weak against. Most games it's just you do extra damage. Yeah. This it's like, no, I get to go now forever. <laughs> I gotcha. Which what? is way... Way more on the line. And what you call it? Press. It's press turn. Press turn is the okay. name of it. Um, yeah, so I, it's on my backlog now. Yeah, good. Go ahead. Yeah. Got to add to the list. I'm yeah. glad. Grow the backlog. We're, we're definitely pushing this part one long, although in my research of other <laughs> pop video game podcasts, I learned that they run like twice as long as we do. I think we internalized that and said, hey, we'll just add some length. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. We could keep going. I think All the right. beginning segment will be a little bit longer this time anyway. We do, yeah. We do have two more things to talk about right. real quick. Uh, one is, uh, you know, we've talked a bit about, well, Chris talked a bit about superhero fatigue, and I, I do have that to an extent as well. Um, like, even though I loved... Um, uh, Infinity War, like some of the more recent other superhero movies have been like, cool, I saw it, I enjoyed it, but now I'm not going to go back and watch it again. Um, whereas you don't even watch them anymore. Right, I'm, after Thor Ragnarok, which is a good movie, I'm just sort of not getting anything new out of it. Yeah, uh, I still need to see Infinity War. But with that said, <laughs> Deadpool 2 is about to come out, and that's exciting. I'm actually excited about it, too. Yeah, you want to see this one. I actually want to see that, because Deadpool 1 was more comedy than superhero movie. Whereas most superhero movies have had comedy in them, but they've still been primarily superhero movies. I see what you're saying, yeah. It's like a comedy action. Right. That happens to star a superhero. Exactly. That's more of what it is. I, I think that's a fair assessment yeah. of it. I think, and I, so Aaron and I rewatched it on Sunday. Um, I think my favorite moment from the whole movie is when he uh, is introducing his um, roommate, the old lady. And he does right. a fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. <laughs> and he goes, that... Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. Whoa! And I was like, I need to rewatch that. That was a great. I think that kind of sums up how much why I like that movie so much. It's that that moment's a good representation of the the humor and also you know why I thought it was funny. So, um, but yeah, Deadpool two comes out on Thursday, and I will probably see it in theater. Very likely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I mean, I like to reward. Things that I want to continue existing. Okay. Right. Especially in the movie world where I'm pretty picky. So I typically watch really good horror movies and a few other little things here and there. Like I'm Deadpool one, fantastic movie. I do want to see Deadpool two, especially if it gets as good of reviews as Deadpool yeah. one gets. And I, and so I don't, have you ever read any of the Deadpool comics? No, I didn't care like about Deadpool until the movie came out. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I've never really been a big 
uh, comic book reader in the first place, um, other than just a handful that uh, one of my business partners introduced me to um, over the years. Uh, but Deadpool, there was a video game that came out in 2013 just to tie it into our podcast theme. Get, get some video games? Yeah. yeah sure. And that 2013 video game was actually a whole lot of fun. Uh, it's just kind of like an on-rails, straightforward, you know, action hack slash type game. With Deadpool uh, humor? With Deadpool, yeah, with Deadpool humor. And Cable shows up a lot. And so do the Makes rest sense. of the X-Men, and it's kind of funny. And so you you, you, you play it. It's, it's, there's nothing especially it's innovative. It's not top 50. Where the, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it's top 50. But it's, it's, not, it's not especially innovative, but but it's funny. So It's, a, it's worthwhile. Maybe if you, if you haven't gotten enough Deadpool, you can go back and play that game. And it wasn't that long either. I don't remember it being a very long game. That's probably smart. Yeah. There's at some point where you realize this gameplay is getting repetitive. There's only so much humor can carry it. Cool. Anything else about Deadpool, Deadpool 2? I have nothing else about Deadpool. <laughs> Off the list. All right. Last thing. Well, uh, second. Hold on. I got, I got, oh, you got stuff. I got Just briefly, your, your lineage play inspired me to try out another <laughs> mobile game yes. that I could play online. That wasn't lineage. That wasn't lineage. Yeah, obviously I wouldn't play lineage. That would be disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so I downloaded something closer to what I play, which is the Tekken mobile game. So, I, yeah, I didn't realize there was a, a Tekken mobile game, but there is. Does it work? It works. I think it makes a lot of sense for what mobile games are capable of. Mm-hmm. You basically can tap one side of the screen to block, one side of the screen to just do regular hits, and then you have a, some cards at the bottom of your screen that do your special moves. Okay. And you can chain different cards together to do diff- like multiple special moves so that you can chain lots of combos together. You don't play against other players, you just play against AI. You can play against other players' AI. group of characters, yeah, but they're AI-controlled always. Uh, will there be a PvP? I doubt it. It doesn't seem like it, and I don't think it would be a very good system for it. It's not deep enough that you would really want to play against other players. Isn't that all the fun in fighting games? Yeah, so the net result is it's kind of neat with the stuff, but it eventually is... Yeah, it's a fighting game, but you're still sort of doing the same. Let me kill stuff that's pretty trivial to get better characters, to kill more stuff that's also trivial, but just scales to my level now. Whereas fighting games is about learning all of the depth and getting into the nitty-gritty, and this doesn't have the nitty-gritty. So sketchy your fix. No, it was just a game I played. It's, oh. it's about to get uninstalled. <laughs> it, and it's well made. It's just that's not the kind of game I want to play. Bottom 50. Bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something, no, that's not that bad. There's worse, worse games than <laughs> bottom 50. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it was fine. But uh, you inspired me, and I wish you hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure to keep doing that. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. All right. So now we can move on to the last. All right, very last topic. topic. Uh, this is another ongoing saga, uh, which already uh, some of the people who've been listening have been trying to help me fix. Uh, which, has been, which is, I appreciate. Narrowing it down. Yeah. Well, this, we have narrowed it down. You're right. So we. Um, so after running City Skylines and Zero K, both having the same problem, we I started dialing. It's like it's got to be hardware issue, right? So I booted up XCOM two because uh, you, yeah, you had XCOM brought two. it up. Yeah, well, I think we can get into. I, we talked a little bit beforehand. I think that's a good, interesting topic later. Like, we'll, we'll talk what, about XCOM two at some point. Yeah, in terms of like mods and how the experience of the game, how much is it that you're creating versus how much was created, and how do you rate a game? Because right, mods are in XCOM two for PC a big part of what makes the game fun. Similar to how mods make. Skyrim. Right. 
a big deal. Oh, but so you also had like Skyrim. Right. So, right, 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 right. so we'll get to that another time. But anyway, so I tried to run XCOM 2 because you had placed it above Baldur's Gate, which I know is one of our favorite games of all time. Absolutely. And whenever I say Baldur's Gate, just future reference, just consider Baldur's Gate expansion, Baldur's Gate 2 expansion. Right, just yeah. one single thing. Yeah, that's fair. And technically I had Baldur's Gate 2 at number 2 and Baldur's Gate 1 at like 35 or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Baldur's Gate 2 is significantly better. Yeah, oh, definitely. But I just I just treat the whole... Cause which one is story. It's one story. It's one story. Yeah. And it's it's great to go through all the games. Um, but so. I tried to play XCOM 2 because you had placed it so high. And uh, I was able to find a deal online and get it for Steam. And then I tried Perfect. to play it on my laptop that uh, I just picked did up. Did you get the whole game? Or did you... Oh, so did you get just the base game? Or did you get it with War of the Chosen? I think just the base game. Okay. The base game is still phenomenal. But War of the Chosen is... That's like the expansion, right? Yeah, it's the expansion. Okay. You, you easily can go through one or two campaigns of the base game. Before implementing the new stuff, okay, and enjoy. and actually, it's probably better for you because it adds so much complexity. Sure, that, that's what I figured. So, um, but exact same problem. And so, uh, Chris, who's the you know one of the other founders of the brewery uh, and our head brewer, <clears throat> he uh, jumped to my computer and while I was out running an errand, um, and he was uh, he ran some benchmarking tests, discovered that the benchmarking had my graphics card running at about three frames per second, <laughs> maybe five. Uh, that's not many. That's not good. <laughs> no. So we ran some diagnostic software to check to see if it was overheating, if the you know if the fans were running, was it pulling all the enough, normal stuff? Yeah, was it pulling enough power? Um, at one point, we thought we thought maybe I just didn't have enough space on my uh, the hard drive that has the OS on it. And then, to be fair, I had very little. So I went and cleared out. Like, I found Spotify was having was holding about six to seven gigs worth of data on my oh. hard drive, and when your your OS uh, solid state hard drive is only thirty or sixty gigs big, that's a lot. So ten percent of Spotify. Yeah, wiped that all out, uh, and then I wiped out the Microsoft hibernation file that it creates, uh, which right. is utterly useless. I think I don't know. I don't. Think that <laughs> It's gone now. Uh, <laughs> and I turned off. I turned off hibernation, so can't do that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so those okay. have gone. I cleared up some other stuff, and so that helped the computer in general run faster. Um, however, did not solve my problems, which is what brought us the graphics card, the benchmarking, the diagnostics. So now I'm at a point where I'm kind of bugging my friends to see if anybody has a spare graphics card lying around that I can borrow for like an hour or two. I just want to swap them out and see if it does anything. Hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. If it does, that means I'm going to be in the market for a. Budget graphics card, <laughs> but right, you don't need that much. I don't. The card I have is like it's one gig uh, from like right. back in the day. So I like even a. Assuming Bitcoin miners haven't bought those cards up too, it should be less than a hundred dollars. Uh, in my searching around, like on Fry's and Newegg, um, I was seeing it looks like I'm going to spend about one hundred eighty dollars, which will get me a pretty decent graphics card. Better than what you have. Like four times as good. As oh that. yeah, okay. I thought you said getting to what you had before. No, no, no. I, don't even I mean, I was look I even looked at the refurbished cards on uh, Newegg, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, I mean, that's I have eBay. Yeah, eBay makes me really nervous though, because it's just like buying for some rando. Fair enough. Um, I feel like with Newegg, at least it's a warranty. So if I do buy a, you know, yeah, a, a refurbished graphics card, sure, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Yeah, you. Uh, Pick how much risk you want to take and pay for it. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'm gonna let you know how that goes. If anybody, I, hope, I hope it goes well. If anybody listening, yeah. If anyone listening has a spare graphics card, you want to just email it over. Yeah. Just email it over. <laughs> be great. Just, just stand outside and just toss it my way. Right, we'll, we'll get it. All right. So that's gonna end the first part. <laughs> that was long. Probably. Yeah. Let's just end it before I say more words. <laughs> Oh,
two. <clears throat> part two. Part two. Hey, part two. John. Yeah. Tell us about part two. Part two involves two games in part two. Part one of part two is going to involve <laughs> Blood Bowl. Part two, part two is going to involve uh, a game called Delta Green, which uh, surprises me how few people are familiar with this game, even though everyone's familiar with all the things that have come together to create it. So we're going to talk about that also. We were talking about it a little bit. I hadn't, wouldn't have heard about it if it wasn't for you. Yeah, I would, for Chris. Yeah, I wouldn't have heard about it unless it was Chris. So uh, not this Chris, different Chris. Yeah, I'm not Chris. talking about myself. Fourth up, Chris. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, that probably happened um, in 30 years or 40 years or so. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. <laughs> we'll get there. Thank you for your confidence. <laughs> You'll soon be schizophrenic. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just, just hang in there, man. Keep trying. <laughs> you can make it work. You can believe in yourself. <laughs> okay. All right. Blood Bowl. So speaking of believing in yourself... Awkward pause while I drink coffee. Very All right. important awkward pause. Yeah, I probably should have filled in with something for you, yeah, but I just let you hang. All right, well, all the people... This segment's weird. This is, <laughs> and setting is this is the first one we're going to promote, I think, right? Now leave a name? Yeah. So welcome, it, new listeners. You love the show. It's, all right, so, so right, Blood right, Bowl. Right, so part, Blood part Bowl, one so, of part two, and I'll respond uh, with my sub-part A to your part two, part Jesus one. Christ, okay. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> all right. Um, so as I said last week, Jared, uh, a friend of ours, got me hooked into a Blood Bowl PS4, uh, Blood Bowl 2 on PS4 tournament. <laughs> Um, Which sounds neat. Yeah, so for, unfortunately most of the people playing have not really played the game before, uh, other than Jared, so I think secretly... <laughs> he, he just wants to crush all of you yeah, and say I'm the best. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Like, he's like, yeah, I know everything about the game, so if you have any questions, let me... And I was like, man, wait, but... So you're just, you just want to beat a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right. Um, but it is actually a really fun game. So I created my first team uh, called the Bogus Journeyman. Uh, which okay. is Yeah, yeah. That so works. Uh, my star two players are... Uh, uh, well, I'm gonna fuck their names up. Oh no, Theodore Logan and uh, William S. Presquire the <laughs> third. Sound like world class players. Also known as Bill and Ted. <laughs> Very nice. Oh. Well done. <laughs> yeah, good team. Uh, I'm I, rooting for you. I also have Death. I have Rufus. I have Good Robot Bill. Good Robot Ted. Evil Robot Bill. Evil Robot Ted. <laughs> um, Station A, Station B, and I'm about to recruit uh, a Minotaur, which is the the big, you get a big bad, and he will be called just Station. You're doing doing God's work. So that was my plan. Mm, okay, <laughs> that's your plan. And then I played my first game. So uh, one of the strategies in Mutant League football, if you remember, is to slaughter your opponent's team. And uh, I was talking with Jared after the fact, and I was kind of telling him what happened, and he he's like, yeah, you know, I've had, I just had my second death so far this this league, and he's on his like third game or fourth game, I think. Okay. Uh, I had um, four people die <laughs> and three people injured out for the next game. So these dead people are never coming That's it. back. They're gone. They're gone forever. They're out of the league. It's not. It's not. It's permadeath. That's some serious business. Yeah. Um, so that kind of sucked. I could imagine. So, so yeah. So we're playing this game. Um, we'll go up against uh, an undead, and he's got these two uh, mummies, which are just monsters. Okay. Well, okay. Let me rephrase that. They are monsters who are also monstrously powerful. Gotcha. Yeah, and so they were just wrecking shop on my team. Um, so the, the way it kind of works is you, you set up your, your offense, they set up their defense uh, into position, they kick off the ball, you grab it, and then you kind of, each person takes a turn, and you have, you've got, uh, when it's your turn, so it's my turn, right, I've got, I can move each one of my characters a certain distance based on their movement ability. 
Um, okay. I can then attack people if they're already next to someone. Um, based on that, works out strength and agility. You roll some dice depending on the results. Either they get moved, knocked over, you get knocked over, something bad happens. Uh, if you if you knock them over and you roll really well, you can like do damage to them. You can make them unconscious. You can injure them. You can kill them uh, <laughs> outright. Outright kill them. I killed two of his guys. So I felt good about that. Good. Just like straight return, up return the favor. Yeah, it's like your guys are dead now. Uh, so you get a move and then an attack or action with every character? You get a move or an attack. Move or an attack. Unless you want to use your blitz. And you get one blitz per turn, and that's a move and attack. So one character you can, can blitz. double activate. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and that's that's pretty much the strategy. There's passing uh, okay. as well. Um, and as your team grows more experience, uh, all your characters gain more experience, and they gain new skills. And so as your team develops over the course of the league, for instance... Um, they get there's way more tactics available to you. Um, so my team's a chaos. Yeah, I'm playing a chaos team. Uh, so which start out a little on the lackluster side. They don't have a whole lot of stuff going for them in the beginning, other than just they're pretty strong. Um, however, uh, a lot of their mutations that you can make on the characters, just like in, you know the Warhammer universe, uh, are very powerful, and you can get some really mean combos. So my hope is that I can can keep myself from being too shitty in the first couple games. You're sort work. of banking on growing this team that by the end of the season you'll so be a powerhouse. My plan was the long game, yeah. Do I'm, you have is there a playoff system? There's going to be a playoff system. Does yeah. everyone make the playoffs or only the top certain number of people? Just the top certain number of people. So it's so going to be, we're doing like a... You need to be able to do well enough to at least make the playoffs right. once you're there, hopefully you're powerful enough to run so through it. everyone plays everyone twice. So there's going to be a lot of games. It's going to be going on for a while. How many games do you play a week? Just one? Just one game a week, yeah. So yeah, it'll be going on for... But, and that's the idea. 18 that's, weeks or that's whatever. That's kind of the topic of this whole section is... You know, the fun and playing game, getting a group of people together, committing to a certain time weekly to meet up and play a certain game together. Because that can really enhance the experience, right? Absolutely. Like, it's like a lot of fun. Having something grow organically with your friends. Right. So, like, last night was Blood Bowl, and tonight <laughs> is Delta Green, which I'm going to get to. And, like, I know you run your Tuesday night board games every night. Right. Every Tuesday, we get together and play board games. We don't play the same game, but we have had it running for... 10 years now. Yeah, long time. With people coming over every Tuesday playing one of my 60 or so board games. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. have, and it's a lot of fun. But yeah, we've developed, there's a lot of inside jokes and stuff that develop around it, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So, you know, so I'm, I'm doing this blood building. It was fun. I mean, it was a fun game. Uh, it's basically you get uh, eight turns, two halves. So there's about enough time to potentially score four touchdowns, three to four touchdowns. Did you? Practice before playing this match. I did sorta. Um, I played. I played three half games, and I quit each half game because I had just fucked up so bad. I was like, "All right, it's not worth <laughs> playing out." But it, it, I had learned enough, and I did some reading online, and I talked to Jared about some strategy. So I, I, I knew enough. I knew like the one-on-one things. I knew like don't. There's certain mistakes you don't want to make. Like like uh, if your player gets knocked over in the previous turn, you have to spend their entire action standing up. Uh, Makes so, sense. Yeah. So the way that, the way the game really, the really way to think about it is all it's a risk analysis, right? Okay. So if you stand up your player, that's his turn, uh, but there's no risk. If you try to run past one of their players, uh, there is a let's say 30% chance they might get tripped. 60% chance they'll be fine. Eight forty. Wait. 
30, 70% chance it'll be fine. I might do math. We're not here for math explanations. This character would have already had to have been standing. I have three advanced degrees. Um, yeah, so they run past it, 70% chance he'll be fine. So you do the risk analysis because if he gets tripped, uh, your turn's over. So you stop, you can choose whoever you want to move in any order, right? Um, so what you have to do is kind of judge all your potential actions. Do all the ones that are totally risk-free first, so you don't want to forget to do those, and pe- people do, and the new players. I've done that. And uh, Why would you forget? Because you only have a certain amount of time to well, execute all your moves. Yeah, you only have a certain amount of time. You're under pressure. You're excited about what's happening. You see an opening, and you may not think, oh, wait, there's a guy that got knocked over like on the okay. other side of the field. Yeah. So it's kind of a mental list of, all right, figuring out all your potential plays, and then basically working your way down of like least risky down to the most risky, but the fun part is, especially when you get down towards that mm-hmm. bottom section where you've got a couple risky options uh, and trying to figure out what order you want to execute. So, for instance, if, I've, if my guy's got the ball, I might use one guy to blitz one of his defenders out and push him out of the way and then attack with one of my other guys. And then, uh, then I can run my carrier up the middle between them and there's no risk to him. Sure, it makes uh, sense. Yeah, however, there's a chance that in either of those attacks could fail and then I lose my turn. So, do like I like character's turn? I know my my turn. Oh, your wait, so does your whole turn in when somebody gets whole turn tripped? Ends. Yeah, it's the whole turn in. So, oh, so if you did your first move, your first character, he gets tripped. That's it. You don't get to do anything. I see why. Okay, so you do want to execute your it's, safe moves first. It's critical to go to figure okay. out, the, do the risk analysis, figure out what you need to do. That's so, brutal. It is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if I had done that first blitz to try to move that guy out of the way, and I failed, that's my turn. And my, now my my ball carrier is back here. Totally like open right. position. So the other option is I could look at okay, well, let's say I run him up the middle and I don't move those guys out of the way. Well, there's a twenty percent chance he might get tripped and and lose the ball. There's there's an eighty percent chance he'll get by just fine. So that's where the gameplay comes in. And then you put that kind of game mechanic on top of a Warhammer Mutant League mashup of you know British humor and you know Warhammer. It's a very unique setting. Yeah, it's it's uh, fun overall. Do you pick up free agents throughout the season? Do you? Well, yeah, I got a. Well, I've got four players to replace. <laughs> so, so yes. So yes. <laughs> Is there just a pool that randomly gets created? How, where are these players coming from that you're well, each, signing? Each, uh, each. I think I think they start out as just a base player. They kind of start from ground zero. I think, but I think also. So you can always recruit generic player X. Yeah, the truth is I don't really know. I think there's ways to buy star players. I think there's ways to buy more advanced players uh, with money, but it's like you gain money every game. And so I've been saving up my money so I could buy... So for Chaos, to give you a simple example, mm-hmm. there's three only three characters you get. So the Undead guy's playing, there's like five different kinds of characters. But for Chaos, there's three. There's the Beastmen, which are kind of your just aggressive, uh, you know, smashy pawn-type people. Uh, but they're fast. We've got the Chaos Warriors, which are you know analogous to Space Marine Chaos Warrior, and so they are um, they're they're stronger, slower, put it that way. Um, and then there's also the Minotaur, which is I hope I'm saying that right, which is a big. He's like twice as big as the other guys, and he's just he's just a beast. Like this dude, does he, he cost more? Or he costs more, okay. and so he's got little movement. Trade off. Yeah, and at any given moment, there's a chance he just won't do what he's supposed to do. <laughs> Uh, like the humans, they get an ogre, and one of his traits is bonehead, and there's literally a 20% chance that he just won't do what you told him to do. <laughs> and he'll just be like, no, oh, man. Yeah, so then that's that's his thing. So there's a whole lot of like... And did, I'll, I'll, did the risk... All right, so you're talking about the risk analysis. Did yeah. the chance of things failing 
ever feel really randomly annoying or did it all feel like, okay, yeah, sure, there's randomness, but the player who plays better is still going to win? That's a good question. Um, I don't want to give you a clean answer. I'll say, it, it, at least off my first game, it felt weighted towards skill. Okay, uh, that's good. There definitely were some lucky moments uh, that we both had. Uh, and some unlucky moments. Usually but, I feel like as long as there's a lot of randomness, like lots of dice rolls you know, for a board game example, yeah. that the randomness evens out over time, usually, assuming the rest of the game is well made, yeah. will lead towards the better skilled player winning out. But that's not always the case. And if there's only a few critical moments of... Like this, there's three moves in the game that these are the most important random things, and that's what's going to decide just, the game. You just reminded me of Deadpool. There's only four or five moments in the given <laughs> life to be a hero. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I need to go over back and watch that. Yeah, and he shoots a guy in the face, and then Colossus pukes his guts out. It's hilarious. <laughs> okay. uh, all right, so yeah, yeah, no. So to your point, I would say it's, um, there's a lot of dice rolls. So right. I, I think it averages out towards skill. And also remember, Good. this game was created in what did I say last, like 1988 or something. That sounds right. Yeah, so they've had 30 years to balance. Well, Risk is also a 50-year-old game, and it's random as hell. It's good. <laughs> Even though there's a lot of dice rolls in Yeah, that. I think everybody accepts that Risk is... You know, well, the Risk isn't a good game. It's a, yeah. Risk is a it's shit game. Bad. I was just playing Risk Legacy. Risk Legacy was neat, though. Kind of ties into this, uh, but we don't need to get into that. We should do a whole Legacy. Yeah, maybe it's a point. All right. So that's, that's Blood Bowl. We'll write it down. It's, it's actually a fun game so far, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm excited to keep playing it. Um, it at least sounds worthwhile of doing a season. I mean, that sounds fun going through the whole progression of building a team, choosing think, how you want to add new players and how you want to spend your money. Yeah, well, in the sense that I haven't done that yet, but I'm excited to do that. Right. I, I mean, I, it sounds fun from a yeah. outside spectator standpoint. <laughs> even though I lost my I'm first, excited for you. Yeah, even though I lost my first game and half my team got injured or killed, <laughs> Uh, which puts me in a very weak position. I, I still had a good time, and I'm still looking forward to the next. I'm rooting for you. Hey, thanks, man. You got a fan. Oh, yeah, dude. It's going to be bogus journeyman all the bogus way. Bogus journeyman. <laughs> what, what? Get some jerseys made and everything. Hell, yeah, dude. All right, so uh, now I'm going to transfer to Delta Green, which is the other game that I'm playing, which is a uh, you know kind of weekly meetup. Instead of being on a PlayStation 4, this is at a table. Physically looking at people. Physically looking at people. So the way to think about Delta Green is imagine uh, Dungeons & Dragons, which I've only played like one ever or two. It's it's not ever really got into Really? It. I've gone through a few campaigns. Yeah. When, felt, they've always ended randomly when somebody moves or people get tired or it's just they it, just sort of inevitably end. It feels like a lot of... for My only issue with Dungeons & Dragons is a lot of like dice rolling and rules and less like story and interaction, which is why I think I like Delta Green. A lot of that depends on the dungeon master and the people playing the game. Oh, you can true. make D&D more of a role-playing game if you want. It is still heavily dice-weighted, but if a DM decides that I don't want to make it a dice-weighted game, there are systems in place that you can kind of tweak it to the okay. players and users. Maybe not as easily as Delta Green or something that's more RP-focused in its core. Yeah. so There Del still is that option. So Delta Green is based on Call of Cthulhu, uh, tabletop, which is both, both of these are, are for, far more weighted on, you know, the role-playing. Um, you still are rolling dice, but it's, it's less about measuring distances and uh, calculating armor values and more about just the dungeon master, you know, saying, hey, I want to, I want to intimidate this person I'm talking to. And so he's like, okay, we'll say what we're going to say. And you say it, and then they're going to say, okay, roll your dice. And he's like, okay, what's your score? And they're making modifiers in their head to see if you did or not, you know. 
Um, I mean, there are rules for like if you everybody's hit points, sanity. You've got guns. They I'm sure there's them. a base yeah. level of this is what is a relatively balanced game, and then the dungeon master adjusts everything yeah. to those numbers. Right? Here's yeah. here's your core set. Do what you will with it. Yeah. So uh, wait, yes. Before we get too far into it, I want to make sure I get the the credits around this game okay. right. So Delta Green think Dungeons and Dragons meets X Files meets H.P. Lovecraft Cosmic Horror. That's really what this is. It's like a horror. It's a, it's a good mix. Yeah, no, it's and it's a lot of fun. That's what got me into the first place. I was like, that sounds like a good time. So Delta Green was originally published in 1997 by Pagan Publishing. Uh, it's a horror game based on the basically it's a Call of Cthulhu game that was originally made in 1981 and brings it into the started about the mid 90s. And uh, you basically play designed by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Oh yeah, those guys. So the Wikipedia. Uh, description. So, good, good job, Wikipedia. Hey, thanks, man. thanks. <laughs> sponsored by Wikipedia. Sponsored by Wikipedia. Not sponsored by Wikipedia. Not, spo- not yet. Not yet. Not uh, yet. So it's, it's a so Delta Green is a fictitious secret organization um, that was created following a raid on Innsmouth, Massachusetts, which is from Lovecraft's mm. story, The Shadow Over Innsmouth. I know Innsmouth. Yeah, and uh, Delta Green agents uh, work through various federal U.S. A- US agencies or um, are friendlies or you know, whatever. Uh, the, so basically the, the organization, the Quick History, is said to have gone rogue in the 60s to 80s after a disastrous op in Cambodia and after some rivals in Majestic 12 who were part of the Reagan era, you know, era, Era <laughs> made uh, Era. made um, some uh, deals with the Greys and okay. so Grey aliens, which which is like very X Files. Um, in Absolutely. Fact, in fact, this was uh, the original Delta Green concept. I think was so. Now this is an add up because it said it came out a year before X Files came out, but it also says it was published in '97. So I'm missing my facts are messed up here somewhere. Maybe they didn't actually publish it commercially until '97, but Maybe. the Actual game mechanics existed prior to X-Files? I think I got my facts a little backwards here. That's what you get when I do this research, uh, you know, 30 minutes before we start recording. <laughs> we did research. Yeah, we just... We there is the research. Delta Green. So Delta Green and X-Files yeah. were around the same time. Oh, right, right. So, um, and then they recently made some updates to it that kind of brings it into a post-9-11 world where Delta Green is no longer a rogue agency, but is now, once again, a secret organization within the U.S. government. And, uh, yeah, so I'm playing a character. I'm playing with a group of people. Um, we pulled one of my old characters out of retirement. Um, I play a guy called David Bernstein. Oh, David Bernstein. Yeah, so. Great David Bernstein. His, uh, it's, I wanted to, like, I remember when we first created the character, I was like, man, I want to do something that's, like, a little out there. It'll be a little tricky. That's not just, like, I'm an FBI agent or I work for the CIA or, you know. Try to add some unique flair to your character. Yeah, so I was looking to, I remember I was talking to Chris about it. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to make a park ranger. <laughs> Department of the Interior. He's like a park ranger. I'm like, yeah. So I thought about it for a day, and I came up with a pretty decent, justifiable backstory. Mm, tell me about him. So he is mm. a park ranger at the Grand Canyon. Okay, so uh, far that checks out. Yeah. So if you check out the Grand Canyon, it's or the Grand Canyon National Park. It's massive. It's like, pretty grand. Massive, massive. Grand is a accurate word to describe it. Yes. They knew their canyons when um, they were describing them. But there are actually parts of the park which are totally closed off to the public. People are not allowed to go there. Uh, my park ranger mm. character is stationed mm. in that area Ooh. for a reason, uh, because uh, weird, horrible things crawl out of the ground, and his task is to take them out. Oh my God. So he's very much like a, a burn it and move on, you know. Oh, I need to go back to the Grand Canyon, check out these places. <laughs> do not want to check out these sounds places. Sounds great. Oh yeah, no, yeah. do not check out these places. 
That's it'll it'll help bring on my schizophrenia more than thirty years from now. I'm like only <laughs> like a few months. It'll bring on some worse things than schizophrenia. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's, he's so I, we did our first. Uh, so I did a bunch of missions with him back in the day, which is fun. And I did a mission. Uh, so we're, we're finishing up a, a series here. Tonight's our final campaign. So the finale to the game. Uh, hopefully he survives because I've had this character for a long time. Mm, I'm rooting for you. Thanks, man. And, rooting uh, for all your teams and players all teams and all your characters. <laughs> I got your back. As long as it's not your Lineage 2 character, I got your back. But uh, you know, the fun part about these games, the whole reason I bring it up, is when you're playing with people in that setting, you have to kind of separate what you would do from what your character would do. And I found myself, so my, to give you an idea, my character is very much an outdoorsman. He spends most of his time out in the forest, not a whole lot of contact with people per se. Not that he can't engage with people. I mean, went, the idea is he went to university. He's grown up around people. He's not antisocial. Right, sure. Yeah. He's, he's not he's, awkward around people or anything. It's yeah. just his life is such that he is by himself. Yeah. And so his expertise is dealing with horrible things and destroying them out in the wilderness. And so the first mission we did as a group, that's where we were out at a uh, Zion National Park, I think, doing something. Uh, the second mission we're doing now is in the middle of like some New Jersey suburban neighborhood with a haunted house. Okay. Effect, or we think is a haunted house of some kind, which is making it really difficult for my character because he can't just burn and destroy things like he wants to. So I've been having to. <laughs> so I'm playing with people. C'est la vie. Yeah, I found myself having to apologize. I found myself not having to, but I apologize to the other players we were with after the games. I'm like, sorry, my guy was being that way, but like, I'm just trying to play the character true to form. Because we had some really horrible things happen inside that house that really damaged sanity. So in, in Call of Cthulhu games, you're always running sanity checks because uh, you see horrible things. Like, um, for instance, you walk into a room and you see a penny rolling across the floor and it rolls through a mirror and falls on the other side of the mirror. And it's not on the floor in front of you. That sounds bad. Yeah, my character put a gun, uh, the butt of a gun through that mirror immediately. <laughs> or you walk through a, a room and you see another mirror and there's child handprints coming from the other side. Yeah, I put my gun through that one also. <laughs> um, and then my character went into the main room where the fireplace lit itself and then something compelled him to drink rancid coffee from three weeks ago. And then he spent the next five minutes puking his guts out while everybody else was freaking out about the screaming that was coming from upstairs. Fuck that house. Yeah, fuck that house. Did, did, so my we left that house, and my character's like, you know what we need to do? He said, you work for the FBI. Buy that house, condemn it, and then, then burn it to the ground. <laughs> Gotta burn the house. Like, like everybody else is trying to solve the mystery. And my character's literally like, I don't give a shit about the mystery. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I don't care what, if there's a ghost in there, if there's some cult. does not matter to me. Bomb the house. <laughs> okay, I like it. Yeah. So yeah, you're getting into it. Um, Create some tension, which I like. Right. On the... You were saying you have sanity rolls and your character was doing these things. Yeah. Did you fail sanity rolls, which led to you acting that way? Or were you role-playing that just because that's your character? Like, where do your roles actually impact what your character does or has to do or whatever? So, uh, both. Okay. So I was role-playing the fact that my character, even taking one sanity loss, like, that's... That is significant. Okay. Um, that's like, you, you, let's say you get on a bus. Like, remember in Constantine, when the kid's sitting on the bus and he turns around, there's like a, a zombie dead woman looking at him? That's a sanity hit. You're going to lose one point of sanity for that. That's that's Just the, done. Like, you're, you're losing it. Well, so the, the, you roll. The, G, the, the you like running it. the game has a choice. They can say, roll it and see if you, if you pass or fail. If you fail, you're probably going to lose more than one. If you pass, sometimes you're fine. If you pass, sometimes you still lose a point of sanity. So he's just like, hey, this is just so fucked up. You're you, not getting out of it. Yeah, you're going to lose something. <laughs> Your mind's like, no. Right. So that's, and so um, after I'd taken like four or five points of sanity loss, and four, some of the other characters started breaking. There's a whole other mechanic that goes with that. 
character starts breaking, then they have to start dealing with psychoses and other fears start playing into Everything it. just starts spiraling downward at some point. Very quickly. And sometimes the, the, the dungeon master will take over your character and just say, this is what he's doing now. And, and you're just like, no, no, like the coffee thing. He's like, your character goes and picks up a cup of coffee. He's like, no, I don't. So he starts drinking the rancid coffee. And like, no, I don't. He's like, he drinks the whole cup of rancid coffee and then starts puking on the crown. Like, come on, man. At some point, the DM has to take over for those yeah. things. Because so, otherwise, I mean, that is insanity. So I was playing the character. So I was role-playing the character in the sense that he had just gone to this house and taken like four or five hits of sanity from seeing some really bizarre things. Um, and also... You know, having failed a few sanity rolls, even though I also passed a few sanity rolls, and then also he was the the DM was also taking over some stuff. So it adds a adds an extra element. So yeah, getting through a campaign without going completely insane or dying is pretty good. Uh, Sounds we, like it. Yeah, it's pretty difficult when stuff's just you're being surrounded by horrible, horrible things that we never want to see in the real world. Yeah, like if you've seen any of Yamato Toro's mm-hmm. movies, he's always putting little like eldritch creatures in the background. Like you can't really use guns on those. Doesn't doesn't work. Now you lose. Yeah, they don't really perceive us in the same dimension that they are in, and so uh, they kind of just laugh at you typically. And they eat you. The problem is that my character usually just puts a gun in somebody's face and pulls the trigger, <laughs> which I totally did in the first campaign. And everybody's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And he's like, he just puts his gun in his face, pulls the trigger, and the thing went uh, translucent, and my bullet just passed through it, and that sucked. So you made the right choice, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. It just didn't matter. It did not matter. That's a lot. That's usually what happens. In- it just doesn't matter what you do. It's like fire's your friend. Because fire works against them all? Fire typically... T- typically is it good. It does a good job of either... Like a higher rate of success in bullets? Yeah. Yeah, fire. Burn it. Kill, so kill fire. Everyone's bringing flamethrowers the next time you go somewhere? Wait, why did I think of that? I don't Ooh, know. I'm going to Home Depot tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First, first act, we'd like to go to Home Depot. We actually went to Home Depot in one of the games. We were going out camping. We had to like gear up on stuff. And I went to REI, maybe. I don't know. Either way. All right, so I'm going to build a flamethrower tonight. I'll let you know how that goes. Appreciate it. All right, that's my updates on Blood Bowl Delta Green. It sounds fun. I do like diving into those campaign games. Like you were yeah. saying, you know, it creates that long-lasting running, hey, you remember what we did 10 weeks ago? Right, building on top of each other yeah. is is a lot of fun. Like that one Risk Legacy game we played that took us two years to finish. Right, yeah. because people moved out of the state and are out of the city. city twice. Both, yeah, <laughs> and, and then moved back. <laughs> and then everyone moved back. But we finished it before then. Yeah. Risk Legacy is definitely a fun game. And, yeah, I mean, we still, we're talking about it now. Yeah. Whereas I don't talk about any other Risk games because they're all awful. <laughs> well, they don't. All the other risk games don't have zombies and aliens and or fun nuclear fallout or fun. Or fun. There's no fun. Okay, I do remember the first time we played it, and it's like, all right, now tear this card in half. And that was all, a cool moment. Yeah, we're all like, wait, what? So there was that, and then the other one I liked. The one of the envelopes said, "Never open this envelope." Yeah, we didn't open it until everyone was on board to open it, and I don't remember what was in it, but that was cool. Yeah, like you weren't. Every player had to vote yes to open the envelope. Yeah, and that was just our house rule. There's no mechanic for opening it because it literally only says "never open this." <laughs> we just decided at some point how we we're going to open it, yeah. and that was our eventual decision. All right, let's take a break. I'm excited. Talk about some Vikings. Vikings. Uh... recording (laughs) it's not crashing part three okay part three here we are in the not crash zone 
with Vikings. Yep. Brought on by a game I was inspired to talk about. I got a segue. Already? Yeah. Like, are you segueing now, or you want me to talk and you segue? segue? right now. Okay, segue. What are you doing? We need a segue sound effect. Segue. So I ran once a Delta Green Call of Cthulhu, what's really a Call of Cthulhu game, that took place back in Viking times. Whoa! The character's named Magnor, which That's, is okay. closely related to uh, one of the characters that I'm going to be discussing here. Anyway, so we'll talk about Vikings. But, yeah, so segue is... Uh, Call of Cthulhu played a Viking game, played a character named Magnor. Fun fact, uh, in the Call of Cthulhu universe, uh, or at least in the rulebook, Vikings are way more badass than um, modern-day FBI agents. For two reasons. One, they're Vikings. And Vikings two, are pretty good. The interesting thing was the sanity check. Sanity hits didn't, weren't as bad because back then they already believed in all this insane shit. And so there's you, gods everywhere. They're rolling right. bones uh, things to predict the future. So right. when shit comes out of the sky, it's you're, just par for the course. Yeah, you're just like, all right, well, let's put an axe through it. <laughs> yeah, right. Burn it, maybe. Yeah, burn they, had, it. they had fire. Kill it with fire, but I'm not as upset about it. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, that's my segue into Vikings. Good. Okay. Cool. Vikings. <laughs> so Vikings. Uh, we talked about this. Kind of reminded me of a Viking game that I played earlier this year called Expeditions Viking okay. by Logic Artists. They're an indie studio. Their first game was Expeditions Conquistador, which took place in that whole era, so not too surprising. Wait, was it like kind of a resource management, RTS? There is resource management to the game. It like is an important builder? It's not a city builder in any way. Okay. It's a it's a tactical RPG, but you have a limited time frame to beat the game. It's okay. a pretty generous uh, time frame, but you do get resources which uh, help you with things like in conquistador. You have a stronghold, so you can kind of build up your stronghold to yeah. protect you against the you know enemies that you're fighting there, all the, the natives, because you choose one side to ally with and you fight another, and yada yada. But the expeditions Viking, kind yeah. of getting into that yeah. again. Uh, you play as a character who is just inheriting a clan because your dad has passed away. And so there's some political machinations going on behind the scenes. Some people are kind of vying for your land. Some people are vying for the clan. And you're trying to kind of set yourself up as this badass Viking leader in whatever way you want to go and edit. And what makes Expeditions Viking really cool is how much choice plays into the game. So throughout the whole game, you're making decisions that you really feel the impact of throughout the entire course of the game. Uh, I actually liked it more than Divinity Original Sin 2, which got a lot of hype and love really in 2017 did. last year. So the I, game- I, got, I downloaded it, and I got about... This is one of the many games that I started playing and hit a point where I'm just like, eh. That's where I, I got... Yeah. Uh, I pushed myself probably further than I would have if there wasn't just so much hype around it. And it... It was fine. It's a fine game. Yeah. Divinity Original Sin 2. It just didn't really grab me, and a lot of it's because of the combat in that game. Which, I think it didn't have the freedom to do... I think I wanted to play a really evil character in that game. Okay. And uh, it didn't let you do that. Like, it let you kind of set up an evilish character, but, like, ultimately... You know, this, like, usually when games say, oh, you can be an evil character, it, it still punishes you for making evil choices. You don't really get the option of right evil, and it's fair enough. It's hard to make a story that makes it work where you're evil or, or good. Right. It's a very difficult thing to achieve because you're having to plan for all these different uh, contingencies. 
So I understand that, but it is disappointing when you think so, the game tells you you can be evil, but you really can't. That might have played into why, also why I stopped playing it. They may have just been like, oh, I can't do exactly what I want to do. This isn't the game I'm looking for. So it may have been more like a personal preference at the time than, you know, dogging on Divinity. That's fair. For me, it was the combat system I thought wasn't that good. I thought the first game was better. Okay. Expeditions Viking had a good combat system, hey, however. All right. Yeah, the tactical battles were actually super well done. It really feels like all the battles in the game, with the exception of a handful, mm-hmm. are all finely handcrafted. And each battle, you have sort of a different tactical approach that you can take to overcoming it, and you build your characters in different ways, and that's also going to impact how you approach different situations. So maybe you have more ranged people in one battle, yeah. and they have a lot of shield bearers, and so I have to figure out how do I get those shields out of the way so my archers can actually do some damage. Wait, so what kind of what, what kind of game would you compare it to then? I guess I'm having trouble picturing this. Okay, so it's a tactical turn-based game, and I would say... Uh, I don't know something offhand that's very similar, but uh, I can quickly describe it. You have your characters, right? They have roughly 100 hit points. Okay. Roughly everyone has about the same amount of hit points. How many characters do you have? You'll have... Six in battle that you control, sometimes a little bit more or less. Enemies will have more than that typically, uh, but sometimes they have a small number as well. Yeah. You have your characters have about the same amount of health, and what well, you really differentiate your characters in their skill sets, so they're able to hit you more often or block more often or whatever, or evade more often. You can have, there's kind of three archetypes. You have your two handed or dual wielding guys, so they do massive amounts of damage or are able to knock down people or something to that effect. You have your shield guys, who are your more defensive tank oriented characters, because shields have their own hit points. And each uh, shield, if you have a shield, you get these certain skills that you develop throughout the game, so you have even more defensive attributes. Mm-hmm. And then you have your archers, who do a crazy amount of damage, but they need to have a clear shot of somebody to be able to hit them. And so those are the sort of three general archetypes in the game. And you kind of set yourself up in a way that you can go after the right guy at the right time to inflict maximum damage. There is a grid that ends up usually with several choke points. Uh, So you will kind of put up your front guys. Maybe you'll have some two-handed guys with a little bit more range behind them and then archers behind them. But then there's different AoE effects. Like you can throw fire Mm -hmm. and start... Just lighting the whole place ablaze. I love throwing fire. And you said this may be perfect. Your your character fire. (laughs) All of your Viking characters and Delta Green characters would just be all in on the fire train. (laughs) And there was one battle in the game that I had to use fire to even damage the guy because he was so skilled and advanced. He was just better than everyone in the combat. But you can still light him on fire, (laughs) and that's what I did. Can I take us for a real quick? Utterly sort of unrelated tangent. Please do. So I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, Stuff You Should Know. I listen to them almost weekly. And they did a whole episode on Pyromania. <laughs> and how apparently it's like Pyromania is not really a thing. Um, they think out of, I think one study found that out of like 100 people who had been um, placed into uh, jail for Pyromania, only one really was a Pyromaniac. And like the definition, the DSM uh, definition for what qualifies as pyromania requires like pretty stringent uh, stuff. Like to the point where it's like you're doing it to not, you're not really, you're not trying to hurt anyone, you're not trying to destroy anything, um, but you've got this like you're having vision, yeah, I think you're having like a panic attack and anxiety, and you have to find a release, and your release is setting things <laughs> on fire. Okay. The other side of it though is you have to be usually like for pyromania, you're also like utterly guilty after doing it. 
you know, so you'll, you'll just what they'll find is people will like hold. you mean uncontrollable compulsion yeah. to set something on fire yeah. as a response to anxiety of some kind. Or exactly, massive anxiety. Yeah, okay. so like you'll be collect. You'll, they talk about how a, a true pyromaniac, if it even exists, would would like. Well, I mean, th- I think there's a case, a few cases of it, but um, you would like spend weeks kind of just gathering what would essentially be like scraps and stuff, kind of like a, a hoarder would do it or a compulsive hoarder. Um, except you're basically building this thing up and you're getting more and more anxious about it and it's this kind of thing and then you set it on fire and then you feel really guilty because you just set a fire in the middle of your house. Right? Would you... What about damaging other people's property? Oh, you feel terrible about it. That's the okay. thing. You, but, but you would also... Would you create anxiety about a particular house? I don't like, know. is it... Okay. I don't know about that. Yeah. But they didn't, it's an interesting episode. So if you're curious about pyromania stuff, you should know, is pyromania real? Yeah, I might have to listen yeah. to it. We've been talking so much about fire and burning things. And You're going to have to bring it in. My point is I'm not a pyromaniac. No, yeah, not legally at least. Not legally. <laughs> all right, let me... So, back to setting things. Right, so throw the, fire. The battles have all of these different options on them. And it's and it's kind of neat, because typically in these RPG games, you just get higher and higher hit points and higher and higher damage on these skills. Right. But your progression, actually, which is kind of crappy, about three-quarters of the way through the game, it kind of stops being interesting. You still kind of get skills that you're leveling up and, and improving on, but okay. you're not making interesting choices. By then, you've sort of set up your character, yeah. because most of the skills revolve around the weapon you choose, and you level up your proficiency in these weapons. Okay. At some point, okay, I'm a level 5 sword wielder, so I have all the sword skills in the game, and that's where all the tactical interest comes from for playing the game, is getting these skills... Uh, combining them with your other characters that you have and figuring out how to take advantage of different weaknesses in the opponent's structure. It does a really good job of just presenting unique variety in the battles, and I really like that. I was kind of getting bored just from the standpoint of losing progression, because that's a big reason why I play RPGs, is to get that progression fixed, yeah. and I kind of lost that. Uh, where I didn't lose it, though, was in the, the choice-making of the game. So that, like I said, is present throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, for one example that I thought was really cool, the series of events that happened. So it starts out in the game. Uh, you are the newly elected chan- uh, chieftain of your clan. Some other guy who kind of has had been feuding with your father the whole time, his sons get drunk and come over, and they're like, we're going to kill you. And you say, no, no. So you either can kill them or just knock them out and exile them. Chris just wagged his finger, too. No, no. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Anytime I say no, no, I'm minding my finger, possibly. <laughs> so I choose to kill them. Yeah. Then we're like, we got to go take care of their father because he's going to be hella pissed. Yeah, you got to kill sure, him. you compensate him for the death or murder him. So those are the options. Or to exile him. So you can compensate him, kill well, him, actually let exile you, him. It'll let you compensate. That was... I think you can, you can have some sort of peace agreement. I don't know if compensation is it, but you can let him keep his farm. Because I think that was a thing. It's like if you murdered someone, as long as you went and reported it to someone saying, hey, I had to kill this person because of this reason... And then you were one of the one of the outcomes is that you then compensate their family for that person's death. I didn't know exactly how it transpired because I chose the kill him option. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because this guy's been pissing you off the whole time, You're pissing off your father the whole time. Yeah, take I don't time. want to deal with this later because I'm in my infancy of my, oh, my clan chieftainism. You got time for that? So so I kill him, and then you can choose to either kill his family or exile his family. So I exiled his family. I chose to spare the women and children, but sent them off wherever yeah, exiles go. You could have killed them, too. And I could have also maybe left them on the farm. But I didn't kill them. I chose... But you could have. But I could have. Weak. Right, well, <laughs> everyone seemed more or less okay with it. And so we've got an empty farm now, right? A big, big plot of land. There's really nobody there. Later in the game... I go to the biggest city in, or one of the bigger cities in Norway, the biggest city that you find in the game. 
and run across a problem. Uh, this guy's like, hey, uh, these little urchins are stealing stuff from me. I'll pay you some money to, to help me resolve it. Mm-hmm. So I find the urchins. You get this little thing, and then you can kill them. Or alternatively, I have a nice setup where I say, hey, do you want to work on this farm? Kill we'll it. have somebody... Uh, you know, teach you how to farm or whatever. How much child killing is in this game? I mean, it depends what you want to do. <laughs> it's really up to you. It's really up to you. I mean, they're like 13. They're enough to steal from people. So they're not... Hey, I'll not steal. I mean, back in the day, you were getting married when you were 13 or 12, right? And you were trying to... It's a different world, for sure. All right, different world. I chose to, because I thought it was the most interesting, of giving them the farm. And later, much later in the game, they said, hey, we made a farm, we've done a bunch of cool stuff, here's some trinkets or whatever. So I got a unique item in the game, or a couple of unique items, because of these multiple series of choices that I've made. Seemingly unrelated. Seemingly unrelated, but one thing kind of leads to another. And the whole game is basically like that, making these choices. There's lots of little things throughout it. There's lots of little things, and it's not just, you know, I kind of look at, uh, I, I hate... I don't hate it, but I very strongly dislike Skyrim and how it presents these choices that are really actually pretty meaningless in the game and they don't tie into anywhere else in the world and they're all very self-contained. But it's not necessarily about... I know that's not necessarily... But I want... Okay. Anyway, so that's something I don't like in Skyrim. I love Skyrim. Okay. It's such a fun game. Uh, I've played it through so many times. Uh, and it's a Viking... It's about Vikings. Sort. Well, it's not... There's, just because it's cold doesn't mean it's Elder Scrolls Vikings. Vikings. I mean, they, they, well, they borrow a lot of terminology. There are some Viking-esque things. Sure. That's a little game. more than Viking-esque. Oh, whatever. Skyrim sucks. So, uh, uh, all right. Moving on to a topic that we can uh, agree in, probably, is that choices are generally good. Better than Breath of the Wild. That's just not true. <laughs> just a false statement. <laughs> I've never played that game. Out, never played that game. Sorry. I'm not troll. Bobby called me a troll, by the way. You're such a troll. Uh, I'm like, I'm not trying to be. Just, you just are. I guess you just can't help it. You're just a pyromaniac. I'm definitely trying to be a troll. Just such a troll. That's what I was doing. Yeah, like just now. Just now. Just this. No, no one could say that Skyrim is better than Breath of the Wild or the Straight Face. I mean, I, I did. Because I've never played face. Breath of the Wild. Ooh, yeah. So, uh. Still talking about Vikings. La- later on, uh, so the game kind of takes place first in Norway where you're kind of setting up yourself and then you go to England to assert yourself in some manner. And the basic choice comes down with, do you set up a trading empire with England to kind of fill your coffers, or do you conquer it and do all the things that conquering does, right? You kind of raid, you get all this land, yada, yada. And the big uh, factions there are, first off, there's some Norse uh, faction there that you can kind of deal with. Uh, There's the Picts and then the Angles. And uh, you kind of choose your level of how much I want to help you, hurt you, ally with you, trade with you. And all of this kind of plays out in a way that the game is clearly very, very replayable. Where I'm certainly going to go, th- not certainly, but likely going to go through this game at some point. Okay. Because I think I ended up slotting it around top, top 30-ish on my say, top 50 list. So well, let me ask you this. Before we say it, did we ever come up with, did we decide, do you, do you know which one you wanted? Which sound effects? Which song you'd like? No. Yeah, we need the permanent one. We'll, we'll talk about that afterward. All right. Well, we'll put it in here for top 50. So it's in top 50? Top 50. Wow. Right. And like I said, my main, my main problem with the game is just that the progression got kind of boring. The characters aren't super interesting. 
because there's just so much choice in the game mm-hmm. that it's really more about creating your own story than it is living through somebody else's story that they've fleshed out. So there's some weaknesses just in terms of cohesion at times. Sure. But I think it's very understandable. Yeah, and they've created a really interesting plot that the story I made feels like my story yeah. and not just a book. That's yeah. already pre preconceived. I mean that could be done I mean both can be done really well. Like Baldur's Gate still sure. felt like my story, but you're definitely playing a story Dave wrote. Right, but Baldur's Gate is a little bit of a merging of the two, but is more on the the story is already set and you're yeah. doing it. But set, but creating your own story, which is something I always would always thought you were gonna get out of the Dragon Age series, because that's how they kind of build it in the early marketing. Sure. Uh it turned out to not be the case. It's like, no, you get to create your own story in the introduction. First mission. I think Dragon Age does a pretty reasonable job of mixing the two together. I get you know. I mean, there's certainly a main plot that happens, but I feel like you got a decent amount of say on how it branched out. Yeah, I don't know. I get. I think my issue may have just been my expectations for what the game was. My expectations were violated. Like from the initial marketing, it felt like oh, I was going to get a truly open world, open story. That's fair. Where how you where you come from really makes a difference, and ultimately. It didn't at all. It didn't matter where you came from. You were going to become this person. You were going to eventually fight this battle and kill this person. And that was regardless of what you did, how you acted, how you treated other people, there's still a rails. And I understand the difficulty of making something where that's, you know. And it's funny. And the expectations certainly play a role in it because I liked how they brought in the origin story with the rest of the main story. I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Sure, you saw the main plot points. But when I played a prince versus a mage... I felt like I was getting a more pers- a different personalized experience for yeah. each of those, yeah. and I thought they did a pretty good job. But I could certainly see it's not clearly not an open world, do whatever you want game. Right. But see, this one reason I like Skyrim uh, is because even though yeah, there is a main story, but you can play it from two different sides. And yeah, there's eventually you, you fight this dragon or whatever, and then you go to Valhalla and kill a big dragon. But I played multiple characters that never even did that, and I still felt like I played the game. Like, my first character I ever made, I went into, I became, like, the master of the the thieves or, or guild. And that took a long time. And when I was done, when I did that, I was like, cool, well, this character's You accomplished your quests for that character. Yeah, so I was kind of role-playing the character, too, to be fair. And so I was like, cool, I'm done with this character. So I created a new character, and then I went off and did something else entirely different. And then I created another character, and I played that one doing something else entirely different. And that's what Skyrim does to the Elder Scrolls games in general. Do well is kind of set up this, it's not... Not a sandbox per se, but just so much content in the game that yeah. you can play through a segment of it with a personal character and yeah. say, okay, I'm done. Like the purpose of the game is not beating it. Right. It's one of the few, like, there's a game that you don't really care about beating. That's, that, that's the best way to put it. It's not a game where you, it's not, it's not there to be beaten per se. The, the one big problem I had is, uh, I did play a high elf at one time. And if you remember the Skyrim like setting, uh, they're kind of under the rule of these high elves. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, a rebellion taking place, okay, but sure. you know, as a character, I was playing a high elf, and I went straight to the town where the high elves are, thinking that oh, I'm going to get to play the quote unquote bad guy campaign from the position of being a high elf. And not the case at all. You show up, and they treat you like you're total scum. Regardless, and I'm like and that's kind of where my complaints in Skyrim start coming in. Is that there's it's not there's a lot of openness, but it's not very flexible. The game is what it is, and you can kind of live within the rules or not. Yeah. And I 
I have kind of a disconnect there in addition to some other gameplay elements that I don't really like. Well, sorry, we took off another tangent here. Right. So uh, it'll, it'll give us a, a Skyrim discussion at some point, or Elder Scrolls in general. I, I will say, so Expeditions Viking is a very good game uh, that does the combat well, the story well. It kept me immersed the whole time I was playing it. Yeah. It probably took me a couple weeks to beat, for, and it was a 30-hour game. So I definitely played it. Maybe it's three weeks or something. But still, I played it pretty quickly for how fast I'm playing my single-player games right now. You said replays sounds pretty good. And replay is good. You could get another two replays out of it. Are you going to actually replay it? I mean, it's hard to say because I replay games. If I'm replaying something, there's usually a decade in between them. Oh, wow. Just because there's so many games. I mean, occasionally, like XCOM 2, I've played the campaign three times now. Wow. So XCOM 2 is an exception. But for the most part, I don't play them that frequently. But... It's on my list of games that I would be willing to replay, just depending on time and what comes out and whatnot. It's cool. And uh, it also kind of got me more into a TV show I've been watching called The Last Kingdom, which takes place around Viking time. So Expeditions Viking takes place in the 8th century. Uh, The Last Kingdom takes place in the 9th century, and it's focused around... uh, The backstory is uh, with... Basically, England is under siege by Vikings, and Alfred the Great has just come into power after his brother dying. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of dealing with the situation of, uh, he's basically the last bastion of Englishmen in Wessex trying to fend off the Vikings. Okay. But he's not actually the main character. The main character is Uhtred of Bebenberg or Uhtred of Ragnarsson, depending on if you go with his English or Viking heritage. So his unique shtick is that he was in uh, this northern kingdom or northern duchy, mm-hmm. whatever, that got ransacked by Vikings. His father gets killed, and Uhtred gets taken as a captive of uh, Ragnar. And Ragnar's a very classic Viking. Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, are you serious? Yeah, so Dude, let, let, let me get through it, let me get through this it. This show... Let me get through it. All right, I was like thinking, it's like, no way. No way, this is not about to say what I think. Who does? So, Rag- oh, cool. so, so Ragnar uh, ends up uh, early in the show. Ragnar Lothbrok? No. Wait, that's the guy. I don't... Who captures a, a character? It sounds like... Let, let, let's go through it. I'll right, just tell you. So, so, so is, he, Ragnar, is he a priest? So I think he's Ragnar Ragnarsson is his, his name. <laughs> Great name. Maybe maybe that's his son's name. Is, no, his son's name is Ragnar Ragnarsson because his son is Ragnar the Younger. Anyway, getting into it. So he gets captured and basically raised as a second son by, by Ragnar. Okay. And so Uhtred, you know, likes his family life for what he is, a captive. And uh, he, at some point, uh, his, uh, the sister, sort of adopted sister, Thura, who is the daughter of Ragnar. She uh, is playing out in the woods and this guy, Sven, comes over and like tries to assault her, even though they're like 10 or whatever. And, and Uhtred is like, hell no. So he, he tackles him, takes care of him, they go back to Ragnar. Ragnar, who is the the thane of the whole greater area, uh, puts a sword through Sven's eye because he shouldn't have been looking at his daughter that way, right? So, totally fair. Later on, uh, 20 years later, 15 years later, Sven and his father get revenged by burning down Ragnar's whole estate during Thora's wedding day. Uh. And Uhtred gets blamed for the whole thing. Which is bullshit, right? Yeah, that's, so, that's so, it's, so it's bullshit. Well, so luckily, Uhtred and, and Ragnar, uh, the younger, the mm-hmm. son, uh, the, the true son, is out on a Viking conquest elsewhere. So he doesn't know it at the time. As they do. As they do. 
so Uhtred ends up running to Wessex because he uh, is aware of his priest friend that he had growing up, mm-hmm. that his father's priest and his whole in, in Devonburg. Okay, uh, there was a priest that he was very close with, so he runs there, and he's basically now in England trying to figure out his loyalties to England and to the Vikings and different people that he's associated with. So his whole thing is sort of a struggle of claiming his identity and finding a place and making a good life for himself, because he is very self-centered in a lot of ways, but generally a good guy. And there's a lot of conflict that goes on between. He wants to just sort of do his own thing. Alfred sees him as a weapon to use to fight the Vikings, but doesn't fully trust him, and so they have a lot of back and forth, too. And that kind of sets the stage. It's very entertaining to watch. What I think is really cool, the last thing I'll say before you get into your Vikings, is it feels very Game of Thrones-esque. It's kind of another reason I got into it, is a lot of people were describing it, or the similarities between the two. No character is really safe in the show, other than Uhtred and Alfred. Because Alfred is the only historical character. Uhtred has some historical backing, but isn't necessarily based on a real character. How how much based on history is it? So Alfred's plotline and the general plotline is steeped in history. But Uhtred is, for all intents and purposes, a fictional character. And he's just kind of put in there. And so there's a few other real characters, too. But for the most part, the main story takes place around a fictional character. That's cool. All right. And it's it's definitely a good show. So I'm curious how it compares to your Viking show and where, uh, where yours is set. Yeah, well, actually, in the interest of time, I'm actually going to keep this one pretty short. That's fair. I think. Um, yeah, so I've been watching Vikings, uh, historical drama, action, adventure, uh, came out in 2013. It's a Canadian Irish show. Okay. Uh, but it's on the History Channel. So it's created by Michael Hurst on the History Channel. Um, it takes place a little bit before the events that you're discussing. This is like 8th century. So one reason so I... So around the expedition's Viking time. Yeah, so right when Vikings first start going to England. Like, that's the story. It's like Ragnar Lothbrok is, is who is a character potentially out of history. He's, he's mentioned in the mythologies. He could be real. He could not be real. But it's, he's a real... In in that myth, mythos, he's there. Okay. Uh, he leads the first expeditions over to England. Uh, and in one of the first expeditions, he uh, captures a priest who bring he brings him back. And then the priest converts to ends up becoming a Viking, and so I haven't got far into the show. I'm wondering if he goes back, so I'm wondering if that ties into this at all. Yeah, they're different since um, they, yeah, there's a hundred years or so in between them. Well, one thing I will say is that, that I was kind of looking to see just how historically accurate it is. So Vikings does do a good job with a lot of things. Apparently, like, they do uh, shift or condense some time periods and events purely for entertainment and watchability. Like uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like bringing, <laughs> oh, pe- bring, bringing people together in history who would not have necessarily run into each other or putting events closer just to help the pacing of things. Makes sense. I mean, you got to take some liberties. Yeah, it's it's fun. I've been really enjoying it so far, um, and so I'm going to keep watching it. And then uh, one thing I really, one thing I do want to mention about the show is a representation of shield maidens, which also may or may not have been a real thing, but in the show, uh, they make shield maidens a big deal. And it's just, well, actually, it's not that they... It's a big deal because of how not a big deal it is to the other fighters. The other just that's part of the way of life. They're just there. Yeah. So like, there there's a fight between them and some English fight, Englishmen when they get to the you know England and uh, when they make their shield wall, uh, there's some women in it too. And it's not like oh here's where the women's here's the women's section. It's just they're mixed in and they're just as brutal and violent as the main Vikings. They're all just hanging out doing the thing together. And that's like they don't. It's it's 
Yeah, so to say it again, I thought it was really cool because of how they did not make a point. They didn't they didn't point it out in a way to say, look, women fighters are, you know, it's just there. I, I like that because a lot of shows that have those sort of things kind of put a spotlight on it to say, hey, we're doing cool things here. Right. We're empowering women or whatever the case right. is, right? And then it feels contrived and not part of the actual story. Yeah. Like, you just made it to do it. But this seems like... This is part of an organic world that you've created yeah, where women can stand toe-to-toe and yeah. kill people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the only time, the only thing I want to mention was, speaking of Viking games, if, if, if you are more interested in exploring Viking stuff, <laughs> that's well, it's good uh, work. Viking stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, Banner Saga was a great indie game that came out a couple years ago. Did you like that one? I did not. You didn't? Oh, I, I hated the combat system. Oh, I actually enjoyed it. Well, I really enjoyed Banner Saga. Um, Fair enough. A I, lot of people do, too. I mean, it's on its third game. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I wanted to play the second. And then also, uh, Neil, Neil uh, Gaiman, I think is how you say his last name. The Norse Mythology. I think I mentioned I'd read American I am interested recently. in reading yeah, this series. So you did, I did the audiobook of Norse Mythology, which is really nice, because going into these games and these TV shows, having that background there, you know, you already know a lot need, more. Need to read some diety books. Yeah, that's really good. And if you get the audiobook, he's the one actually reading it, which is cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah, that's, and it, that's fun. It's, he, he basically went back to the original texts, or not, no, the original translations of the original texts and retold the stories in his style. But he tried okay. to keep, so he, the idea is that he's like, all right, a bunch of other authors have already gone to these translations and written their versions of the stories, and then other people read their versions of the stories and tell their versions of that story. So he tried to kind of go back as far to the source as he could to give his own... So it sounds like the proper way to experience all of this is <laughs> you play Expeditions Viking while also watching Vikings. While listening to... Well, you do that first because this is you set the stage. You're just getting all the fictional stuff, right? Okay. And then you watch The Last Kingdom, and then you go back to Neil Gaiman and you listen to all of the actual historical stuff with his own flair, right? I would say listen to his first. You think listen to him first to like set the stage? Yeah, because now you... Because then, well, at least you're familiar with the mythology. I kind of like so my personal way of experiencing that I enjoy is getting into all the fictional stuff, mm-hmm. getting really vested in something that's not necessarily real, and then going back and correcting all of it. <laughs> that's kind of how I like doing it. Right. Because I already have like this real big interest developed, whereas yeah. if I just sort of dive into history, I may not already have that kind of inherent desire to learn more, yeah. which might slow me down. All right. We got a call. This one's going really long. This I have, super I've long. got an interview in... 45 minutes. <laughs> it's got to be at my desk. I need to be at, sitting at my desk. Speaking of no sick days. Yeah, speaking of no sick days, i got to get back to work. So, um, anything else? No, that's good. All right, we're going to do our first uh, real outro. Whew. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, follow yeah. us at no sick days Facebook. Yeah, look up either no sick days or no sick days podcast. Yeah, so the, we're, we're about to create like the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all this stuff. We have an email now. It's uh, no sick days podcast at gmail.com. So you can reach us there. That one's guaranteed to work. And then I think, Chris, you're looking at putting a website together or something. I'll set up a website pretty soon, and it'll probably be nosickdayspodcast.com or something (laughs) to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, I'm John. I'm Chris. And thanks for hanging out with this very long podcast. Yep. Hope you enjoyed everything. Outro music. Thank you.